0: Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable sustainable stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglat, and I will be your host for today's episode. I am so excited to share with you guys our guest today. Her name is Crystal Buchert, and she and I are connected because Crystal actually designed the wonderful home that Matt and I get to call home that we built ourselves in 2019. So Crystal and I originally got connected when Matt and I, um, we were drawing pictures of houses on the backs of napkins and, you know, loose leaf paper. And, you know, when we went to ask, the bank to fund that they said "Hmm, maybe you should get some help with these drawings and so that is the uh, birth of the relationship between myself and Crystal and I'm so excited uh, (laughs) for you guys to hear from her today she is a powerhouse of knowledge in the space of sustainable building and yeah we're gonna have a great chat so thank you so much Crystal for being here today
1: hi Jenna my pleasure absolutely excited
0: Well, to start off, Crystal, um, I'll just get you to tell tell our listeners a, a bit about yourself. So who are you? What do you do?
1: Sure. Uh, Crystal Buchert. I am an architectural designer here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and um, I own my own company called Building Studio. We're a small studio, and we focus on residential design and interior design as well, um, and we're well addicted (laughs) to sustainable design with housing. We're very keen on green buildings and helping people uh, realize their forever home, like you and Matt did. The perfect project. It was fantastic. Um, So we're here to help people get through that process. And we just are big proponents of green design and how to live sustainably. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. And so Crystal, one of the things I think, um, you know, Matt and I struggled with, and I know lots of people are sort of intimidated by a little bit when they think about getting started on a home build or, or wanting to do something more sustainably, whether it's a, a new build or renovation. Um, can you chat about, you know, where to start and, and, I mean, obviously calling you is a great place to start, but you know, where to start (laughs) and sort of this um, you know, what I would sort of call this spectrum of ways that people can um, you know, do things more sustainably. Like it's not an all or nothing approach uh, is my experience anyways. So
1: yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do, and this is with custom uh, residential design, home design, a lot of it has to do with your lifestyle. So everyone's different, right? Like you and Matt being remote and having that beautiful acreage property. There's a lot of people who live in the city where the lifestyle is a bit different. So there's different considerations. So I think it has a lot to do with examining how you live right now and how you want to live and how sustainability can fit into that. Um, most Most people we work with Have a pretty good idea (laughs) how they live and how they want to live, and they've done a lot of research. Um, I feel like we were preaching to the choir a lot of the time because everyone's kind of on board, right? Like you already know. Um, So it's a lifestyle consideration. Um, It's a location. It really comes down to like how far I want to (laughs) go. So in terms of if you want to just. make a contribution sustainably. If you want to change your life entirely, if you want to be net zero, if you're going all the way, if you're totally geeking out. So there's a huge spectrum to place yourself on and um, there's things that are easy and there's things that are hard. So I think um, just examining that and your relationships and yourself is a really big part of it.
0: Cool. Yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting that you talked about lifestyle or understanding examining your lifestyle as being sort of the first step um yeah I hadn't really thought about it in that way but for sure that's you know that's where we started was you know what style of house we you know we were really interested in in fitting in with the landscape and not sticking out of the landscape and I'm sure folks in urban or suburban situations are probably thinking about some of those same things but their their local environment is very different so and exactly and from, from our experience working together as well, Crystal, I think, you know, you talked about that range being things that are really difficult and things that are easy. And there's, you know, all this space in between. And, um, you know, I think for us, it it was a lot of thinking about, you know, where, ha, what's the kind of maximum uh, we would like to achieve? And then working back from there based on some, some budget things too, right? Like we... Um, we would have loved to do it all, but we can't do it all. So it was like, here's here's Mm -hmm. where we'd like to be. And, you know, how close can we, can we get it to that? And that's kind
1: of what we work towards. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a definite, there's a scale and a spectrum for all of those decisions and price is a big one. And then working out the calculations for your payback and your life cycle costs as well. That's, um, If you want to get mathematical about it, figuring that out with your energy modeling is sort of like, that's ultimate goal. And then if you want to give back, then it's pushing it even further, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, Crystal, I'm curious, I'm actually really personally curious about this too, but, you know, your life, your work in this space, where, how did it start? Like, I mean, obviously you went to school and you became, you know, an architect and a designer. How, you know, how did that move? Were you always really interested in sustainable design or, yeah, can you just share a bit about your story and how it evolved?
1: Sure, totally. Well, it has a lot to do with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, my dad is a carpenter and he's been building houses since before I was born. And and I grew up on a self-sustaining acreage that my family built in an R2000 house. So pretty energy efficient. Um, we made all of our own food. We had an orchard and a garden and chickens and beef and everything. So every we made everything that we used basically. I think we even had like a sweater, you know, those yarning machines that you can make sweaters with. Yep, like absolutely. we made our own clothes, everything. Yeah. So I grew up very aware of my footprint, not knowing what that was obviously, because this is just how I was growing up. Um, and then taking that learning about houses and house design from my parents I mean, our, our library at home was basically like home designs of 1977 and like all the catalogs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from all the home magazines. Yeah, I even have a set of millwork drawings that I did to scale when I was like 11 years old, of like the hope chest that I wanted my dad to build. So we've been drafting and designing for as long as I can remember. And so that has a lot to do with it. And then growing up on this acreage, kind of like what you guys are doing now, um it's very informative to the rest of my life so I um went on to do a fine arts degree and studied painting so I have a fine arts degree in painting bachelor fine arts and I went to Toronto and lived in Toronto for a while and did the art scene thing and it was very rewarding but I felt like I needed to make something right and in order to get things done, it's easier to do it in your hometown. <laughs> so I moved back to Saskatoon where my community is and my parents and the shop and all that stuff and studied um, architectural technology in Moose Jaw here and then started my own company. So I think the first thing I did was design and build my own house. And I think that sort of set, well, it set the bar and it's set up for a lot of future relationships because of my house. So I figured I should do it myself first before I bring other people on board. (laughs) (laughs) So we did super insulated walls and solar thermal panels and radiant heat and concrete floors. And, um, it's a small, it's the smallest lot in Saskatoon and we built a three-story house. And my husband's an artist. So the studio's in the home. So, and we have a green roof and the whole thing. So we we went to the nth degree to design and build this place, which we did all ourselves. And um, I think with having that out in the world and on the street, people just started dropping by and (laughs) saying, like, what is this? And I didn't know you could build like this. Like, I didn't know you could design something like this and live in something like this. Cause at the time Saskatoon was pretty full of um, like cookie cutter houses and just, you know, not a lot of unique properties. (laughs) So um, that kind of set the bar for the rest of our work. And we've been doing that now for 10 years. So it's all just been a nice straight line and we're very happy with pretty much everything we've done and all of our clients are so amazing. Um, So we're having a really good time here in Saskatoon.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. It's, it's interesting, you know, you talk about people, people's questions or people not really, um, you know, not really understanding. And honestly, similarly, you know, my, my story in this space starts similarly as a child growing up on a farm and all this kind of stuff, but, and, and, you know, we're having worked in renewable energy. I still when, you know, when you designed our place and then Matt and I, you know, grabbed our hammers and saws and started building, it, I, obviously I believed in it, otherwise I wouldn't have done it, but it (laughs) it still took, it still took that first winter, which was last winter, the winter of 2019, 2020, um, for us to really see that, um, that this works. Like we can live in a home, granted, as you said before, we weren't limited by direction of the house, so we faced the house in the direction that we were supposed to, and all these other kinds of things. But um, you know, Matt put a electric four stair furnace in our house because he's a plumber, and you know that's just what you do you you've got to have backup heat. Um, but and Crystal knows this, but we rarely use our wood stove. Let alone, like our heat has never turned on that electric furnace doesn't run we use the fan sometimes to to move air if we really want you know some air to move throughout the house but other than that um it it has never kicked on even when we're away so um yeah that's amazing yeah it's incredible and again I I wouldn't I I did believe it but it's it's uh I think there needs to be more and your your projects are all kind of doing this um but you know there needs to be more awareness that Uh, you know, it is possible to build a house that's made for our climate that doesn't uh, consume, you know, that doesn't consume energy really at all. Um, Yeah, it's just amazing. So um, yeah, it just, it's interesting that it it even took someone like me and, and, you know, maybe even someone like yourself, it takes seeing it sometimes to believe it. So the more of these homes that are popping up around, I think the more awareness there'll be yep.
1: about that, but. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, Crystal, if you, and I don't know if you can ballpark this and I could be, you know, if this is a question that you don't want to answer, you can just say pass, but um, <laughs> you know, if someone comes to you and is like, I heard it cost three times as much to build your house sustainable as it would have to build that exact same house, you know, with regular two by six, stud balls what do you say to those people like do you have kind of a ballpark you know estimate or a concept or an idea where you say actually you know that's not true do you have sort of a a comeback I guess to to that sentiment? oh yeah
1: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well it's that's a very layered question because well one of the first things when people bring up cost and how much it costs One of the first things, and I think the most important thing about designing a house is you're designing that house for you and it has to fit you and your lifestyle and it has to function perfectly. And we have to figure out all of the content and all of the functions so that everything's considered, it's a considered design so that you're not building a house and then leaving it two years later because it didn't work out. So the most sustainable thing you can do is build a house that fits you. And you're not going to leave it. And then it just becomes part of the stock out there. Because it is um, hard on the planet to build things. There's a lot of waste. There's a lot of embodied energy um, in the actual product that we use. Because we still haven't figured out how to build houses with just force fields. <laughs> they are actually thick walls. In the roots. So... The sheer mass of it, if you're, if, if you're thinking about cost, um, it's about a life cycle cost. So that's one layer of the question. The next layer is if you just want to look at it mathematically and look at energy modeling, um, it's said that doing a passive house will only add about $50 a month to your mortgage. So if you consider it as a monthly cost with your mortgage it's that's a whole nother thing like oh yeah 50 bucks a month I can totally manage that as compared to a normal house and that's because you may be paying more upfront for installation but your energy costs are low so it kind of balances out and then the next point is well how is it going to be finished like do you need quartz countertops everywhere because that costs money maybe that money could go into solar panels. Right. So it's a priority. So there's so like, there's so many decisions like that. And then there's finding deals and, you know, doing the work yourself like you guys did um, Mm -hmm. and having friends to help out. So I think, yeah, it's different case by case for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that that's, that's a great answer. And I appreciate that you, you know, brought up, Talk, thinking about the life cycle costs and the embodied energy and what goes into these materials, because, yeah, there's something, you know, inherently not sustainable about maybe everybody in the world's building a brand new house, building their own home and, and such. So I think, yeah. that's, you know, an important yeah. consideration for sure. Um, and then yeah like you say not building something in two years later moving on and maybe doing that three or four times before you you find something or right. build something that fits you so um yeah that's a great uh, great suggestion there there too so yeah thank you for bringing that up but i think that what you mentioned there around the the dollars is is sort of exactly what what matt and i found like we were very prepared to um you know pay a little bit more Um, but, but we were really budget conscious. Like we couldn't, um, you know, we were two young people. We didn't own much (laughs) at all. It was, it was hard enough to get the finances Mm -hmm. to even build our own home. Um, and so, you know, we were budget conscious, but, but like you say, there's, there's ways to work with that and, and typically, um, you know, building things from wood, um, you know, do you need like you say quartz countertops even mm-hmm. even uh you know with with furniture uh you know if you're if you're working on a house build can you build something yourself you know can you build that three thousand exactly. dollar solid yeah. wood table while you're building your house <laughs> so you know what I mean there's you
1: know, build it out of <laughs> exactly. cracks,
0: build it out of wood yeah. waste yeah so totally um, yeah and
1: that's so because- how you end up with these unique properties right
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're all, you know, I, yeah. I see. So, so for obviously for anyone who's listening and, and eager, please check out um, Crystal's website, Building Studio. Um, also, I, I follow Crystal on Instagram, um, Crystal's business on Instagram, and they're always posting really cool pictures of the projects that, that you guys are working on. Um, but yeah, that's the neat thing about it is you don't see the same thing twice. Everything is so... Uh, distinct and so diverse. And um, yeah, I just it just makes it so neat. I actually, one of the memories that comes to mind uh, when I was first getting to know you and your business was seeing the tiny house that you built as your cabin and the interior being plywood. Because if someone had said that to me at that time, I would have been like, plywood, you know, because I, <laughs> you know, grew up on a farm and just imagined, first of all in my head I had OSB imagined and not plywood. But that was just something I'd never thought of. And then you see these images of that beautiful tiny home, tiny cabin that you built. Um it's just amazing. Like there's something so simple um can can mm-hmm. look so unique and so beautiful. So mm-hmm. um yeah can you can you talk a little bit about your your tiny house your tiny cabin i think you know for matt and i it was the the passive the sustainable the sort of working towards a, a, as close to net zero as we could get eventually um, but it was also about a small footprint, and I think a lot of people are eager to hear or eager to learn a bit about this concept of of a tiny house. And and tiny house, you know, you built a, a true tiny house for your cabin. But even for us, we were very conscious of, you know, how much space do we really need, and and trying to keep the house just that size and not not any bigger. So um, yeah, I'm curious yeah. to hear a bit if you could share a bit about your your tiny house uh, journey, I guess.
1: Absolutely, would love to. Um, so it all started when I did an artist residency at the Emma Lake um, Kinderdine campus, which is well known in the arts world um, as a residency spot. And we were actually the last artist there before they shut it down. So um, my friend Cam and I went and did a residency, and for two weeks we were in a small cabin in the bush on the lake just doing drawings and paintings and it was one of the most rewarding experiences the solitude being away only having the minimal um services and amenities that we needed and just sort of focusing on something else like not the normal daily grind so at that point I realized I needed a cabin (laughs) but um I don't have land, nor did I want to buy land. Um, I just wanted a place where I could go and draw and read. Reading was a big part of it. And maybe be a little bit transient. So I decided to do a tiny house on wheels, um, which is what they're called. That tiny house on wheels. And it is a eight by 12 footprint. So it's 96 square feet. It's very small. It has a bed. A desk, a washroom, and a kitchen and a loft, all in 96 square feet. So it was um, the ultimate puzzle to figure out how everything would fit together. And I knew that I had to build it myself. So knowing your limitations, um, well, budget limitations for one, um, my skill level is the next one, being able to do everything myself. And then um, knowing that I could kind of squat on my aunt's property by the lake and just bring it there when I, when it was ready. So I, um, I built it. It took me a year of weekends (laughs) to build 96 square feet. So no one should hire me for construction. Um, (laughs) if that's my going rate and it was very rewarding. Um, finally bringing it up to the lake and being able to go up there every weekend and just sit in the bush with um a small it's a small building it's very warm inside because of all the plywood walls and the ceiling um it feels like you're sort of in the heart of a a tree so it's quite like the warmth of it is very nice and then one whole side of the tiny house is windows so it just kind of opens up out onto the lake in the view and the bears walk by and the deer and the loons. And it's just kind of like I'm sitting in the bush, but I don't have to deal with the bugs or the bears too often. Um, so it's, it's very calming. There's no wireless. The phone doesn't work. It's just a total shutdown. And um, it's a very small footprint. I have three photovoltaic panels on the roof. And three batteries and a composting toilet and um, like a hot plate and a sink. So I haul in my own water and um, bring my food supplies, my little pantry in there. And it's really simple living. Just read a book, make a coffee, have some hot chocolate, go on the lake, have a canoe. Like it's fantastic. So it's been a lifesaver. I think everyone should have one. <laughs> and uh, we sell quite a few of the stock plans for it actually on our website so there are quite a few of them out there getting built because you can do it yourself right it's actually it's the DIY project Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the best part yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and even like you say if it takes you so what it takes you a whole whole year of weekends right like it and if you need to do it faster you do it faster. Maybe you build it in a month and you take off some time or whatever, but it's just an interesting way to incorporate kind of small living, sustainable living and, and slow living in a way, right. Into, into your, your life or your lifestyle. And, um, yeah, I just, I love, I love seeing pictures of it and I, I can just imagine, um, you know, being out there and, and, and having that space. So that's really neat. And I think, You know, there's kind of this growing interest as well in, um, because of the sort of growth in in tiny houses and people seeing that something small and maybe it's not tiny, um, but something small and something sustainable can be really, really, really beautiful. Um, And you know, thinking back to the budget conversation for Matt and I too, we knew that if we could reduce our footprint, physical footprint, physical size of the house, Um, you know, maybe we wouldn't spend as much money on square footage, but we could do some more expensive finishing touches if we wanted, knowing that, you know, we weren't building a a huge home. So, um, and I see tiny houses as kind of the same thing in a lot of ways, people, um, you know, choose to put some really fancy, nice finishings into things because your countertops only you know this <laughs> big
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. It's about the quality of the space, not the quantity, and I think as long as you're comfortable and you feel welcome in your own space, it just doesn't really matter how much space it is,
0: right, yeah, that's exactly um so one one other topic I just wouldn't mind picking your brain about crystal is um so we talked a lot about new builds um. Does building studio or do you, you know, work with folks on, on renos and, and you looking at, you know, upgrading older homes to be more sustainable as well? Is that something that you guys do some work on?
1: Yeah, we actually, um, yeah, we do renovations. A lot of it is about doing additions onto space. Um, so extending a smaller home. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really smart thing. Like the most sustainable thing you can do is to move into something that's already built, right? Yes. So you already, that embodied energy is already there. So occupy it. And then in order to stay there, if you need it to make it fit your lifestyle to do an addition or a renovation of some kind um, makes a lot of sense. Uh, We adding extra insulation, you know, setting it up for solar panels, we're putting solar panels on the new garage in the backyard or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Those things are all like good steps in the right direction, but starting with something that's already there is a big bonus. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. And yeah. it could even be things I know friends of ours bought a house in Saskatoon and we just really, really pushed them. And we were like, you know, even if you spend a, a couple thousand dollars and added double the insulation in your attic like just start with your attic and double the insulation in your attic mm-hmm. and we were just like you will see yep. an, a massive difference um in your energy bills, but even just the comfortability of living in that space um and I think that's yep. one of the comments we get a lot in in our home which uh, you know is a, a new build but um you know people who come and visit comment a lot like wow 19 degrees in your house and 19 degrees in my house feel very different you know what I mean like in terms of the, <laughs>
1: exactly the comfort yeah.
0: level and it's like I noticed yeah. that too I go home and I'm at my mom and dad's house and you know my my hands feel cold and I'm kind of uncomfortable and <laughs> well it's the same temperature that it is in my house why does it feel yeah
1: different you know and it's just I know yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So
1: um, it absolutely is comfort is a huge I think that's the biggest argument for um, like a no-brainer decision about sustainability in houses is your comfort level. Like it's an easy sell when you're just like it's if you want to do radiant floor heat, that's like the most comfortable that there it's it's not hard to sell people on that idea because we're we are used to being uncomfortable in our spaces. And to feel comfortable is just you kind of take it for granted after a while, but it's amazing.
0: Yes, agreed. Yeah, and I think you know if twenty twenty has has taught us anything, um, it, it's that <laughs> for those of us who are having to spend a significant amount of time in our in our homes and in our spaces, it's you know that comfortability, like you know the sustainability aspect hugely important. Um, but the comfortability, the health, the, you know, air quality, like all of those pieces start to, um, or Mm -hmm. I I believe kind of start to come to the forefront of people's minds, especially, you know, when you don't leave your house for a couple of weeks, you (laughs) know, um,
1: (laughs) exactly.
0: Yeah. So awesome. Well, Crystal, I want to leave our, our listeners with, um, you know, a bit more information about where they can get in touch with you or, or follow along with what you're the work that you guys are doing at building studio. Um, and then, so yeah, if you, if you want to start with that, and then I was just thinking about too, I remember when we first started talking to, um, you know, we had some drawings and came to you with some ideas, but you know, if someone has an idea or wants to kind of um, get in touch with you, is there sort of a level of, of pre-planning that you recommend people have done? Or, or can they just start from scratch and give you a call? Or, yeah, if you just want to talk a bit a bit more about that, then we'll make sure people have sure. that info.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it totally depends on your personality. Having things planned out beforehand Um, it's nice to start thinking like what you guys did with graph paper and thinking about your space and how things would be adjacent to one another. Um, some people are really good at that and can imagine space like that, but we can also start right from scratch where we, um, interview you and get all of the content and information that we need. And then we can figure out those adjacencies and the sizes and the feels of the space So it can go either way, but any way it does go, it's a truly collaborative effort. Like it involves everyone and everyone's brains full-time. So it's not really a backseat project. (laughs) (laughs) It's a custom house that you're going to live in forever. You should have like 110% uh, everyone just taking part and back and forth. And I always say the more time you spend on design, the better. Mm-hmm. um like spend years if you can because it's really it's better to do it we do everything in 3d as well so it's better to do it on paper and in 3d where it doesn't cost you know it's cheaper to change a line than it is to move a wall so um it's better to do that and really you know suss out the details and all the options and then sometimes you just end up going back to plan number one <laughs> you can do 21 different house plans and be like, Oh yeah, the first one was the best one. So it really depends. And it's, it's very collaborative. Um, So yeah, we've had all kinds, every, every kind of project, every kind of collaboration. And uh, it seems to work out every which way.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, uh, I definitely, you know, can attest to the, the collaborative effort and it's something that we truly appreciated um throughout our build was having someone who, you know, we would just text you or call you or just, say, hey, we have this <laughs> random idea brainwave, or brainwave, you know, how could we make that work? And um, you know, super appreciated that, you know, we got some really unique suggestions and ideas that we wouldn't have had if we wouldn't have been working with you. And we so we're so grateful for that. And um
1: You know, you guys were such a pleasure to work with. It was fantastic. (laughs) It was such a good process, and your house is amazing, and the view is beautiful. I'm so happy you're there. You did such a good job. It's great. Thank you. Well, we couldn't have done it without
0: you, so thank you, Crystal. (laughs) Group effort. Um, Yeah, group collaborative effort. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I should I should mention for you know I. Um, Crystal was talking about her her dad and you know your life and and sort of your upbringing and your dad having all this experience. So there was a point in our build where we realized, or actually in our design, where we were like, you know, we can do a good chunk of this ourselves, as as in you know probably sixty percent. Um, but we knew we were not going to get it done in one year. It wasn't even you know, a year. It was one summer without help. And so we said to Crystal. Do you know anyone who would help just with the framing? <laughs> just with the framing. We don't want to help with anything else, but just if we could just get some help with the framing. And so we actually had Crystal's dad help us with the framing, which was such a lovely experience. So we did get to meet <laughs> um Crystal's dad, who I can attest is amazing. And uh it's it's not hard to see where where Crystal gets her her talent and and yeah, uh, just all around wonderful personality from <laughs> so um yeah so anyways yeah so if folks want to um find you or get in touch with you how where's the best way to do that where can they find you crystal
1: well our website is um so our company's called building studio and it's spelled bldg studio so the short form so uh bldgstudio.ca and then we're on instagram a fair bit at building studio BLDG Studio. Um, we have lots of information on our website and there's more information coming soon. And yeah, it, phone calls, emails, Instagram. We, uh, we like chatting. We love chatting green. So awesome. (laughs) Uh, Always looking to make more relationships with everyone we can get in touch with. Awesome.
0: Sounds good, Crystal. And I'll make sure I link those in, in the description on this episode as well. So folks want to find you and reach out and ask questions um, they can do so there as well so thank you so much crystal for taking the time to be with me today I uh, really appreciate it and uh, yeah I hope we've inspired a potential group of listeners who are eager to work on a sustainable build
1: or maybe a sustainable renovation in the future so awesome my pleasure this was great thanks jenna Thank
0: you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, and the lovely Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of past episodes, as well as our schedule for upcoming episodes, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time!